taking this opportunity to continue offering some reflections on our practice. notion of practice is significant, essential. To that sense of uh, pathway to awakening, essential to that notion that there is a process of unfolding. whereby obstruction, obscuration, confusion, drop away revealing uh, that which has always been, that which timelessly is. So in some sense it's not a path of going somewhere, because we arrive where we've always been, we arrive here, in this present moment. But nevertheless, there is an activity, an activity which is conducive to the recognition of confusion, recognition of mistaken identity. There's activity. That's when it provides a, a fertile context for the dissolving of obstruction. We, 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 this notion of practice is essential in this sense of Sangha, that third refuge, which sometimes in an external sense is talked about as our community, those good knowing advisors, those fellow seekers on the path, who set good examples, those beings who set good examples. From true Sangha, we remember the noble way, the wise way, the vigorous way, the appropriate way. The wise person knows they stretch too much, need to ease off, need to relax, need to rest. The internal reflection of Sangha is, is befriending this practice, this activity, that which moves us, that which moves us to the truth, that which moves us to the core, that which more and more encourages us to align ourselves, to balance ourselves with the truth of things, with the way of things with the rhythms and harmonies and qualities and textures of 
of the way this moment actually is. We call it practice because there's effort involved. When there's no practice, then you could still say, oh, looks like there's movement there. You might still be breathing, walking around. But it wouldn't be called uh, practice unless there was conscious effort to cultivate this quality of stabilizing. Contacting, resonating with, steadying the heart on the way things are. Sometimes our efforts, there might be a lot of effort, it's not practice if we're only following the conditioned response, if they're just on automatic. And we're not really practicing, we're, we're just being bounced around, it's pleasant, we go for it, unpleasant, we move away from it. Someone asked a very good question. They said, well, how do I know if I'm practicing? So I don't don't say this word to kind of discourage it. Oh, gosh, maybe I've never practiced. I, I don't... I'm not wanting to do that. And I don't want us to judge ourselves too harshly. But I want to encourage us to recognize that there is an effort involved. And as we become more skillful, we get a sense for tuning up that effort. When it's a stronger effort, when it's a more subtle effort, and it's a very subtle effort, the effort just to let be, to let go, let be, subtle effort, still an effort there. Very strong effort sometimes is the effort to withstand, to withstand a very strong sensation, maybe of discomfort. Ordinarily, we wouldn't even give a millisecond of attention to that. That is the signal to the heart, to the body-mind, get out of here. A bit like that jet plane that flew over yesterday. Head for cover. It's incredible how feeling Sensations condition the heart. And in that instant that that jet plane flew, loud noise. Just for me, the way my heart works was the all kinds of associated images of catastrophe, destruction, war, war machines, bombs. It was extraordinary to have a framework that could have this container, this place, that could watch that welling up in the jitta, all the reverberations, the echoes, and just to 
let it subside. That happened quite quickly, so it didn't really require a lot of strong effort. But sometimes if there's an unpleasant sensation, an unpleasant mood, that similarly crashes into the jitta, and there's a tendency just to move. Sometimes it takes a stronger effort to, hey, come on, come on, come on, calm down. No grenades are rolled into the window. Just to stay a little bit longer. Effort to, stronger effort. Stay with. So let's don't get too mechanical with our meditation practice. Not just one way. We're cultivating agility, cultivating this contemplative art as a dance. I am definitely not a good dancer in the physical plane. But Nisra hasn't given up totally on me. He's very encouraging. <laughs> Don't worry that you stepped on my foot. <laughs> But a good dancer is, is one who is responding, responding to the other. Good meditator. I work from the mind and little by little get to the body. Good meditator is responding. Our, our, our practice activity is a response to what's being presented comes our partner, what's presented itself to us, how we receive, relate to, little space from, little swirl there, coming back closer. This is, this is the art of contemplation. Who knows, you might even find you really enjoy it. You must, on some level, you probably wouldn't still be here. Just as I found, I mean, just, after 15 years in the monastic life, I didn't have a great dancing record before the monastic life. And we had a Princeton reunion at the old university I went to in the Northeast. And there's classes from the class of 22, 42, 62 and all these other classes that occupy different parts of the university having live bands and dancing. And it's like, come on, let's dance. And it's like, please. <laughs> I can't dance. Come on, it'll be fine. Everybody will see me. <laughs> Nobody will see you. Actually, was surprised. I actually, I mean, actually had some fun. Actually enjoyed it. <laughs> Please be patient. I'm going to get to the dome. Let's give this a chance. Explore it. Don't be so worried about is it good or not, giving ourselves a, a report. Good was the meditation. Yes. 
we want this to be sustainable. After all these years of, uh, of uh, practicing the most important thing, by far, more than any big insights you have on the, on the retreat of 89, wow. It might be a neat memory you can hold on to, but you know, what carries through is the love of the Dhamma. More and more learning to enjoy. Doesn't mean to say feeling good, but more and more learning to enjoy the activity of exploring. And when that's a little tired, the activity of calming, settling, aligning, balancing, filling, drinking. And when there's a sense of some fullness, inquiring, exploring, questioning, If one cultivates these qualities, then this will, it will more and more be a force that will take root in your life, will grow in our lives. The Buddha taught that he spoke that his path is for those who love the Dhamma. Now, if we don't love it, oh gosh, I don't love the Dhamma. Oh God. <laughs> I love dancing, but I don't love the dance. <laughs> Is there something in it that can be interested in that? I don't love the dumb. I don't love the dumb. Can just be into what it means is to love the dumb or to be interested? Or is there something in it that's so weary? It's been so wounded, so bruised. Or it's so, so risky to be interested in anything because we get so disappointed fast by what's out there that we've hardened our edge and numbed out a little bit. For survival sake, maybe, took a protective shield to be disinterested. Love the Dhamma. Can we respond? Can we be interested? Can we care for that hardness? For that pain? Can there be a natural response of, from this very heart, which has all the manifold Dhammas, we have the thousand hands and eyes in our heart that can respond. We allow ourselves to trust enough to open to the moment. Last night, Tanisha was opening up this uh, path activity, this practice a little bit to talk again about the relationship between the calming, it's called the samatha, the inquiring, what sometimes is called the vipassana, 
the stabilizing more than samatha, the calming, the exploring, more the wisdom aspect. For some of you who are very familiar with this, and it doesn't bother you, some of you who maybe this is new, or maybe this has always been distressing, sometimes this can just into a slap. God, my, should I do samatha? Should I, should I? Do Vipassana, and then we, we think that to do Vipassana we suddenly get a big flurry of salt into the mind. We get quite confused. Just like with, with, with me and the dancing, it's just little by little coax, coax ourselves into get our feeling for the, the different modes. Of being. We all have both of them. We all are emerged from this one heart. They're not two separate things. Calming, exploring. Just like the Vitaka Vitara, Vitaka, the directed thought, the directed attention, the more willful, that, that whole, the point, calls the attention somewhere, is more affiliated with the, with the calming aspect. Vitara, more the receptive, that touches the surface, feels the texture, allows the heart to really envelop and connect with the moment. We've been exploring how these two, these two, working together, can allow the mind to be introduced to and stay with this body, the breath, this moment. And how when the two, little by little, get into balance, we can get a feeling for the Simplicity, the steadiness, even relatively speaking, maybe just a taste of it. Steadiness of being here. Remember, we explored how when the all different thoughts taking us over here, over there, the future, the past, we explored the uh, ability just a little bit to. Allow ourselves choice to allow ourselves to say, not now, not now, not now, not roughly, but to empower the heart to, it's not a shameful thing to make a choice. It's not a shameful thing to say, I need to rest, not now. And then to, hmm, Willfully, I say willfully, but not that, I don't mean that strong, and to choose a thought like now, here, I'm standing, where are my feet? I'm sitting, 
Where's the body? That brings the mind here. Using the thought. Exploring what happens if we repeatedly, patiently, more strongly, more gently bring the mind here for a moment and then allow the vichar, the receptive mind, the what we were calling the feminine aspect, just a way of talking, to then envelop, hold, stay with, bond, link with, explore, infuse, suffuse, permeate, so that we see what's happening, that steadying, stabilizing, it's the essence of samatha. But it's not, good samatha is not divorced from wisdom, because it also took bringing the mind to the present, then in enveloping the moment, it's that that tells us, hey, this is too strong, hey, this is too weak. Hey, that's, that's painful there, let's give that a little more attention. I'm fleshing out with a little more thought than necessarily has to be there, but even within calming meditation, for it to be effective, there has to be some reflectiveness. The word vichara actually means evaluate, to explore. Tanishwa then was opening us up to, to from time to time, consciously, not just say, not now, but from time to time, consciously then welcome into the heart what's not necessarily the breath, but welcome into the heart and start to notice the qualities of mind, or the qualities of experience that have um, been obstructing it. So I, t- I take this opportunity just to, to to repeat, to go over again, just so that we I don't want to make this too dramatic. It's a very subtle shift that we're doing. So let's say we're we're, we're, we're practicing, being with the breath, and then, and then we notice that we're struggling. Notice that we're struggling. Notice that we're battling. Rather than just say, not now, not now, sometimes then it's important that I'm battling. To notice if there's aversion. Is there aversion? Is there wanting something not to be? Then we, then we can use the very same strength that we've been developing, the very same, same stability, rather than focusing just on the breath energy. We can then allow the directed mind to know, to point the attention right at that feeling itself. It's also right here in the moment. It's also not far from the body. It's, it'll be registering in the body too. We don't have to go somewhere else. I'll do well, some of it here, but I have to go somewhere else. It all happens here. You don't have to go anywhere. It's a slight shift of emphasis. It's a slight shift of focus. We might notice some I don't want. I don't want this. 
uncomfortable feeling. Go on. A thought notes that feeling, and then vichara, just the very same quality, starts to, where do I feel it? Is it sharp? Is it dull? When a feeling like that uh, comes up, we, we usually believe it. We take it to be the truth. We believe it. Aversion sometimes tells us, if that's not there, then I'm going to be okay. And if we don't see then the for what it is, then we really are bound by it. We really do, then just if a version's there, we, we believe that that's the problem and we just try to move away from that. And if mirror images, wanting something, wanting a state without pain or, or, or wanting a place without interruption or wanting a place without distraction, we raise somewhere else. We've been hypnotized then by wanting and not wanting. When we're dancing a little bit with the, with the balance between calming and exploring, if aversion or desire comes into the heart, then one can actually allow those sensations, those moves to themselves be a full, noble, perfect object to reflect on. And to really, to, to really inquire into, say, uh, really wanting something, wanting to be peaceful, wanting to go somewhere else, wanting to get rid of the suffering, it takes some samadhi, takes some presence of mind. If there's no presence of mind, then we, we have no strength, stability in the mind, then when the wanting comes, we're off. And the not wanting comes, we're enraged, so we destroy something, we push away something. Ajahn Chah described the, the relationship between steadying and exploring or samatha and vipassana is, is, is part of one thing, like a knife. One aspect of a knife is, is its back edge, which is thicker, gives the spine of the knife, the strength, the stability. As that's honed up to an edge, it's a kind of sharp edge. Sometimes wisdom is, is described as a sword, or the edge which can penetrate. And wisdom can actually be right with, not get fooled by wanting and not wanting, for example. Wisdom can be right with and see the nature of this feeling, of this mood, to see the true change in nature. So sometimes they say wisdom cuts, sometimes it's like a diamond. 
to have a good edge, at least in this analogy, it's useful if that edge is supported by the strong spine. The knot. If we only had an edge, it'd be too brittle. It could easily break. If we have not enough samadhi when we try then to explore our doubts and worries and fears, we just find ourselves getting lost. And sometimes it's very useful to, to consciously, consciously then notice that the, the receptive aspect of our mind says, hey, I'm overwhelmed here. Steady. So then we put a little more emphasis, a little more weight into just grounding, just noticing the form of the body. Just being here. Just going to sensation. Just calming a little bit. Then as one gets a little more easeful, a little more established, and one can, little by little, then open up again the mind that can inquire. Is there desire? Is there aversion? Is there dullness and heaviness? Is there restlessness? Is there doubt? If we notice one, then we can uh, notice, ah, oh, there's a heavy feeling. And we can, then we have a choice whether to work with that feeling. If the feeling's too much, we can make the choice that, no, I can't work with that now. Like this morning, the bowing had a very heavy, uncomfortable, fatigue feeling. I could have chosen to rest, it might have been the right decision. But this morning, I decided, well, let's look at this feeling. And so uh, part of the practice was just to be with that feeling. And then to notice when there was aversion there, when the will was ill, ill will, when it was sour, ah, it's too long, oh God, what are we doing? That's ill will. The will is ill. Not willing. Okay. What what happens then when when that becomes received? When it's not become received, then we're someone with a disease will. That's right, and then we we might act on it. I could become totally identify with that mood. This morning I just noticed. I noticed the mood. I noticed the feeling. I noticed it was associated with pain. Pain in the body. But not wanting that. Then responding by, well, I just don't do it. Then you just listening, there's the opportunity then to start to see the nature of that mood. I, 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 I noticed that it was changing. Insisting. Then there was moments where the ill will welled up, and then moments where there was no ill will. And then what remained? What remained was it, really the root of that was there was an unpleasant sensation. Aha! Oftentimes ill will moves from 
unpleasant sensations. He's born from unpleasant sensations. Don't like that. This became unpleasant sensations. Then there was the activity of just breathing with, working with, dancing with, going close to, going apart from unpleasant sensations. I found as the bowing went on, the ill will just uh, disappeared. And the, all the notes of the, of the chant, from the high notes to the low notes, can't really hit the range that good. It's like resonating from the depths of our being to the peak of our being, all aspects of the being. Then just laying, laying down the body, feeling the whole body, little by little allowing the energy to bound. It was a beautiful experience for me of watching in the course of 40 minutes something change, something shift. And in that particular case, the pain and the ill will, the diseased will, the sour will, was an opportunity then to develop a little more one of Kuan Yin's hand and eye. It gave me an opportunity to, to discover again, not that it's the first time, again, that when we are willing to be with, say, for example, ill will, that's an opportunity to develop patience. Opportunity to develop strength. The strength, as Tanitra would say, capacity to bear with the reality of that moment. To bear with that. To be kind. So where there was ill will, as the alchemy of practice, the alchemy of awareness was working, what emerged around the ill will, what, 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 what also sprung up in the heart was patience, was kindness, was a willow branch. Kuan Yin holds a willow branch. It was blessing, blessing the ill will with attention. And that ill will became perseverance, patience. Desire can be transformed into enthusiasm, aspiration. When we're looking for some union, looking for some satisfaction, as we're willing to also notice that in and of itself, not just be fooled by it to go looking somewhere else and not see the movement itself, not see the mood itself, We stay with desire can become our, our love of Dhamma, love of union, union with the truth. When it's a mad ranting, I want it, I want it, but I won't, I won't, I won't. That kind of desire which just makes us a hungry ghost when we follow everything. I won't, okay, we run over there. I don't want that, I want that, we run over there. Did I say that? I meant that, we run over there. The hungry ghost. We never get there, but we we're still hypnotized by the mood when it comes up. I've got to have. 
assumption. As we, little by little, if we have this love of Dhamma, then our, our vipassana comes in, our willingness to explore, using some calm to help us stay here, some strength to help us stay here. Then we, we begin by even moments, moments of being with that desire, that obsession, that gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And in that moment, then another of Kuan Yin's hands and eyes and arms, and hand that has a luminous diamond in it, illumines and reveals. We get revealed into our heart a little dispassion we didn't know we had. Something in us that can dispassionately know and experience the hungry ghost. But I got to, I got to, I'll die if I don't. I've got to move, I've got to rest, and maybe one should rest. But even that one minute before we go rest, Listen to that panic. I've got to. I'm going to die here. For that one minute, I wonder who would bring in the ambulance. God, for that one minute, can we hear, can we provide a reception and explore that voice compassionately? It takes this passion to hear that passion. It's all in the heart when we give ourselves uh, give ourselves an opportunity. So it's not that we're doing totally vipassana, totally samatha. There's a, there's this slight emphasis. Sometimes the emphasis is a little more allowing the choice to be made by what is presenting itself. Something strongly presenting itself to us, like heaviness worry or doubt or suffering. And then we can consciously say, okay, let's receive that, let's explore that. You notice it's just turning too much into thinking. We're getting a bit lost. We've lost the body, lost the moment. Then we put the, then our vichara, our, our wisdom, will tell us, hey, we're getting out of balance here. Let's just pull back a little bit. Relax. Keep relaxing. Maybe just for, for a while, just steady with just the breath. I don't find it easy. It's not easy to try to explain. Uh, just trying to encourage. But we all find our own dance in balance. I don't find it too mechanical. It's not that mechanical. The relationship between this exploring and studying, they, they go together. Even if we're really calm, good, drink the calm, keep drinking. Even if we're really calm, notice if there's something in us that it's so calm it just keeps snuggling there, staying there. That's when we still have the wisdom for it to help us get there, but so most of the weights on our... One great master said, Samatan Vipassana are like two legs. One's a little stronger maybe, but we still have two to balance and walk with. Well, maybe in that case, when we're really calm, 
most of our weight just on the the leg of just the mind's not really exploring, it's just holding. And that's fine, that's lovely. But if we notice then that we just only want to stay there and we get really blown away by any any contact, then we could very gently, very gently, just within, within this calm place, from time to time introduce some investigation. Like, is this changing? It doesn't have to disturb the calm. As the breath comes in, we can watch every moment. Oh, look at rippling, waves, reverberation. Then into the calm is being is the additional light, the illumination of wisdom is coming in there. And if we're going to explore uh, tonight and the next few days, this this insight into the dissolving nature, the moment by moment becoming otherwise nature, a phenomenon is the key. Is the key to revealing and taking us home to that which is timeless and undying. So it, it, the Vipassana is not always just looking at some strong mood, some strong emotion, some big, heavy, hungry ghost. It can also be in our calmest moment. Noticing things. Noticing, asking, is this that I'm holding on to? Is this permanent? Is this mine? The gentle question, who does this belong to? As we really go more deeply into change, we'll, we'll realize it doesn't belong to us. Because actually every mood, pleasant or unpleasant, belongs to nature, belongs to Dhamma. It comes and goes according to its own law. to enjoy the practice, enjoy what measure of stillness and calm you can encourage in the body and mind, but also enjoy, allow oneself to honor that which is stirring us up, that which is obstruction. Be able to note that, to name that, to open to that, to explore this dance, this uh, dance of inquiring, balancing, stabilizing. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.